0: Hello and welcome to the Camera Channel Podcast with me, Michael Sanders. At the end of our No-Nab special, myself and my two guests, Jeff Boyle and Colin Elves, all chose the Canon C300 Mark III as our product of the show. The camera is identical in size and shape to the C500 Mark II, allowing it to utilise the same accessories. But instead of the C500 Mark II's full-frame sensor, the C300 Mark III has a super 35mm sensor. The other main new feature is a dual-gain output, allowing the camera to produce stunning images at low light with a wider dynamic range. Well, the camera's been out in the wild for some time now, and in the past few months has been joined by its little sibling, the C70. To discuss the camera, I'm delighted to be joined by two filmmakers who have bought the C300 Mark III and have been using it in anger for some time. Dave Young makes films for a number of British broadcasters and who predominantly works alone. And Peter Dimitris is a DP and director who works across a wide variety of content, including commercials and documentaries. Welcome both. Dave, if I can start with you, most of your work is on your own. So was it the size, the weight, the body shape that attracted you to the C300 Mark III?
1: So I've been using the C300 Mark I since um, pretty much soon after it came out. Then I have made quite a few films with a Panasonic GH5 for the, for the size and, and for the intimacy and for being in sensitive situations. And then obviously the 500 Mark II and the 300 Mark III were coming out and I was lucky enough to demo both cameras. First of all, the 500 Mark II, so I shot a film on. And I quite liked it, but I had a few things I wasn't mad about. And then I got to get hold of the 300 Mark Mark 3 for a demo and shot a couple of films on that and at first I wasn't mad about it but um I've come to like it a lot more as I've got used to it over time.
0: You and I have talked a lot about the camera over the past few months and I've learned that you don't like rigs. So was having a camera with a dedicated viewfinder like the EVF V70 important to you?
1: Yeah, not so much the V70. I had that on a, on a demo originally with the 500 Mark II. And I didn't find I was able to place it very easily because I only had the um, bracket that came with the EVF with the camera. And by swapping it out to put the 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 VF70 on, where it was sitting on the camera when I was because I'm using a handheld, no rig, it didn't really work for me because it's quite a bit higher than the camera. Um, So you're kind of it's it's almost chest height. The camera has to be chest height for you to to look through the viewfinder. So that didn't work. Although the viewfinder is beautiful, it just couldn't find a way of placing it. Although I'm sure I could have found a way, but I didn't have time. I just given the camera and I was out on a job and it was locked down and, you know, things weren't open and I just had to get on with what I was doing. So now I've basically got a VF50, the viewfinder that goes on the back of the camera and that's my normal way of working. So I'm using it handheld. I've got a shape arm. So I'm actually using the, my right arm is braced against my body with the shape up going down. And then I've got my other um, hand underneath the lens and the camera to work that. And I find that works pretty well because I need to be agile. That's my key, key aim really is to be able to do what I'm doing really quickly and be agile. So I can be on the ground one minute and running around the next and, and then filming a, a headshot the next. So um, I've now found a way of working with just one lens, one viewfinder on the back and a couple of microphones, which works for 90% of the time for the work I'm doing. And it works pretty well.
0: Peter, over the years, you've invested heavily in Canon cameras and lenses. So what was it about the C300 Mark three that made you want to add it to your arsenal?
2: Yeah, well, originally, I bought the original C300 when it came out. I saw it first in 2011, and then uh, as soon as it was available to order, I put down my cash for an order and bought one straight away. I ended up having two for a while. And then I bought the Mark II, and I've had the Mark II ever since. I bought the Mark II in 2017. To be quite honest, I wasn't going to uh wasn't going to upgrade because i figured the mark ii was actually a very good camera still is a very good camera and i did for the sort of work i was doing i didn't see the benefit in upgrading the camera but I, I still wasn't entirely happy with the mark ii that tall slim form factor the amount of times i was in a car and i was smashing the handle against the ceiling of the roof trying to film in a car <laughs> been there done that yeah, and of course, that's where you end up, you know, if you're shooting a single operator, that's where you end up putting your radio mic receivers and so you end up bending the antennas and, and uh, yeah, it drove me crazy. And also, you, you know, it's, it's difficult to get on a gimbal. So um, I'd worked around those limitations with mainly Zacuto products and was pretty happy and was very happy with the, the look of the camera. You know, I've shot it against ARRI minis and uh, F55s and FS7s and it's it's held its own. I think there's nothing at all wrong with the image quality at all. It's just, as an operator's camera, I didn't like it. So when I had the... The C500 for a couple of days um, with the EU V2 back on it, the expansion module on the back, and V-lock batteries. It suddenly it transformed the way it it works as an operator camera for me. It you know it's shorter, it's squatter. It felt more like a you know it felt more like the old school DigiBeaters, you know, and and certainly much more like
1: an F55, uh, F5 sort of setup.
0: And Dave, how much of a factor was the Super 35mm sensor?
1: Because I mostly shoot for Channel Four and Channel Four News, current affairs documentaries it's not always great to have no depth of field because you actually want to see what the hell is going on. You know, you want to see what's happening. You know, I'd love to have a 500 and a 300 so I could mix and match. Um, because of the modularity, I could just take bits off one and put on the other if necessary, if I couldn't have them both set up the same. But at the end of the day, I thought, well, actually one, one due to price, but two due to the fact that I, yes, I want to be on F 2.8 as much as I can, but at the same time, I don't want to be everything to be out of focus other than the thing that's in focus because I don't want it to be that, you know, full frame sensor look because that doesn't work for the environment I'm working in most of the time. Um, whereas at the moment I can, I work pretty much all the time on 2.8, whatever I'm doing, but even whatever, unless I'm on a long lens, which is very rare for me, I, I'm basically shooting on a 16 to 35. The latest one is it Mark three. That's my lens. Um, so the longest that I can go on there, I do go between What's really handy on the C300 Mark III is you've got the 16 mil crop. I've got a, a quick button to get me onto crop, and then I basically double the lens. It's like a doubler. So if I need to zoom in something or get a longer lens, or I'm doing a headshot all of a sudden, someone talking, I just go onto that, start filming. Then afterwards, I go back. I don't bother with really black balancing or whatever. I just it's fine. It works. So I've basically got a lens that is, I don't know, 16 to 70. Really, you could argue. And that works. So that's really great. And it means that unless I'm on this long lens, I get to, you you see where you are. With the films I'm making, you need to see where you are. It's not, I don't want to the background completely out of focus. So just the person in focus. So that, that kind of works for me.
0: And have you noticed any difference in quality when going on to Super 16?
1: Not for what I'm doing because I'm, I'm just shooting on HD. I'm shooting on 15 mega frame, megabits a second. I'm shooting on the almost the lowest spec on the camera. Other than the views and proxies, and it's great. And I get comments all the time from the you know people I'm working with saying, "Wow, it looks fantastic! It looks gorgeous!" Because I'm shooting, to kind of, you know, I make it look as nice as I can. But you know, I'm I'm not got an Alexa out there, but I'm still making it look nice. And you know, you don't really notice the difference. Not not. I probably you probably will do if you start shooting at you know high ISOs and stuff. But I'm not doing that, so it works.
0: Peter, like me, you're a big fan of the Canon Compact Cine Zooms. So was it important being able to use those?
2: I, as you said, I
0: made an investment in the the um, Super Thirty Five
2: lenses, the CNE compact zooms, but that was a factor for me. I was like, do I really want to change all my lenses if I went to a full frame sensor and I needed longer focal length lenses? And if I was going to go to cinema lenses, I'm going to invariably end up with bigger lenses.
0: And uh, do I want bigger? Necessarily want bigger lenses? Not really is the answer to that. Dave, you've had the camera for some time now and have used it quite extensively. In fact, you've recently been in the US filming the elections. If we took the camera away from you, is there one killer feature you'd really miss?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say there's one. I mean, I do like the slow-mo, although I don't use it that often, but I am using it and using it in in appropriate situations and people are loving it. I think it's the fact that you've got all these capabilities in one package Before, I used to have a couple of cameras with me, thinking, oh, if I'm doing that, I need that camera. If I'm doing that, I need this camera. This one, I just went to America, and I was thinking, do I take a second camera just in case? I was working in very low-light situations, fast-moving situations, some slightly dangerous situations, and it was kind of my friend. Probably the first time I've had that kind of confidence that I've whatever I need to do, this camera's going to do it for me.
0: And Peter, what's impressed you the most about the camera?
1: Um, I'm...
2: Uh, very impressed with the versatility of it because it can be easily rigged up and down uh, I haven't had much reason to rig it down like Dave does but I had did a studio shoot at the start of this Channel 4 series where I had it with a, a cn 7 and a studio zoom demand on a slider and, a, and had the LCD you know on the side with a Noga arm and I was just using it in a studio configuration and it was brilliant and it was equally as good as the DOP's uh, Arri Mini and, and looking at the pictures on the on the 17-inch OLED monitor, there was nothing between them. I then mean, we really couldn't pick a difference. They just looked so good, so even. Um, but I think the thing that's really surprised me about it, I think is a, the best feature is the one that you have no control over, and it's the DGO sensor. I'm constantly amazed about what you can see in the dark areas. And it's it's always, it's always a bit like when we used to do 35mm film and you'd go take a photograph and you'd get it back from the chemist and you'd look at it and go, oh, well, that's quite good it's almost like you get that kind of feeling when you've shot something and you've exposed it in the viewfinder and you think, well, I think that's going to be all right. You know, I've protected the highlights and you get back and then you pull it into your NLE and then open it up and put a lot on it just quickly to have a look at it. And you know, <laughs> the response is often, wow, that's better than I imagined it was ever going to be.
1: So that's a good point. You- that's a good point. I agree. I agree with that. Exactly what you said. I don't grade my work because it goes straight. I get email it straight away from wherever I am, the hotel and they get it in the newsroom and then the editors working on it quickly and i always say just pull the blacks down a bit because <laughs> i don't want it to be so gray i want us to be blacks in it and it's amazing like you say as long as you protect your highlights you're laughing you're gonna you've got a lovely shot you know ni- 99 times out of 100 is perfect you know it's great and but i always say to the others, just grade it a bit for me just grade it a bit i no, know it's fine as it is just grade it a bit
0: and i suppose the obvious next question is there anything you don't like or is there any particular bugbears about the camera? I haven't found a thing that really annoys me yet. Um, One of the failings of the camera
2: that that, that, that I've now moved on from is the the standard Canon mount that comes for the LCD is a really clunky, cumbersome thing. I mean, it works, but it's just not finessed. It's not... It's not. It's obviously just... Well, they haven't thrown it together. It
1: was a second thought, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah, it feels very second thought. And there are so many better solutions out there. uh, And there's more and more coming on the market. So I think one of the things first thing to do if you do that, use that LCD is to get rid of that and put something else on it. It's in need of another firmware upgrade. I think there's a couple of things that that Canon have listened to and we're we're still on the original firmware. So I think we, we need that firmware upgrade just to get those facilities. It's nothing big, they're just little niggles, like the Super 35, Super 16 function. At the moment, I have to map it to a function button, which means you've got to go, press the button, select and turn the menu off. I don't know if there's any shortcut around that. Um, and there's a few other little things, you know, quirky things. Uh, also, the, I think the, the camera body and the EU V2, it's quite compact. So that when you get a lot of accessories on the back, I'm running, um, sometimes I'm running like three radio mics into the back of it. Um, so I've got the um, Holyland Mars 400S strapped to the back. And when you've got all those connectors at the back, you need fingers the size of a midget to get yeah. in between the connectors, you know, <laughs> trying to get a BNC connector off. You know, those engineers that used to work, like, at London Studios. They a tool <laughs> to get the BNCs off. I might have to buy one of those because I just can't get my fingers in there anymore. Everything is <laughs> so tight. But that's just miniaturization. You can't
0: do anything about that.
1: So a big bugbear I've got is the and – and I've sent clips through Canon that have sent up to headquarters in Japan – um, is the image stabilisation on a BCU, the camera will try and stabilise his head in the background every time he moves his head the background will move and that's mm. ruined shots for me so now I've got a button to turn the image stabilisation off and it's the time, times I turn it off is really when I want it that's mm. when I really want it to work and it's doing the opposite so that's the yeah. pain in the ass. I did find when I was in America a couple of weeks ago in Atlanta and I was in a bar full of black people and I'm interviewing black people and it was working and whether it was something to do with their you know, skin color being different and the algorithm working differently. It wasn't giving me that wobble. I had it on once. Oh shit, I've got it on. And I thought, well, actually, actually it's not doing the wobble. It's fine. So it seemed to work. So I've passed that on. whether they get anywhere with it, I don't know, but that is the biggest bugbear that I've got by far. If they solve that, then I, I'd be really happy with the camera, but that's a pain in the bum.
2: I shot some uh, piece of cameras for the Channel 4 series just the other day, and um, uh, this was another thing that really surprised me about the camera. I was using the 18-to-80 in that same configuration. I really wanted to shoot them on the gimbal. I've got a Movi Pro, and I had the C300 Mark II ready to go in that, but there was obviously a 10-minute rig time to get that built, and time was against us. So I said, look, I'll just shoot them handheld, and they were walkie-talkies. So I threw the camera into face detection, I shot at twenty-four mil on the eighteen to eighty outside. I put the image stabilization to mode B, which is the most extreme, and then I put the digital image stabilization on. And I walked backwards, and I, I absolutely I was astonished how steady the shots were. Really, really, really good. Obviously, not movi steady, so it's obviously still handheld. But in terms of you know holding a frame, wow really really incredible and that was a that was a feature another feature that surprised me <laughs> I tried not to look so surprised when the when the when the producer that was really good yeah wow that shot was really steady I was
0: like it's funny you should say that I had the camera myself for a few days and that was something I really wanted to try out and I have to admit I was a bit underwhelmed by its performance that said to be fair to Canon I had a pre-production model and I know the firmware changed quite a lot between when I had it and the release it was explained to me by the Canon rep that i s will smooth the shot out, but it won't replace the steady cam and of course, nothing in life is free, so you do lose a bit of um field of view, don't you
1: well, what the image stabilization the camera does as soon as you put it on, you lose ten percent because it's giving it's allowing itself that ten percent wiggle yeah. room for that to get rid of exactly what you're after but what mm. I think it needs is somehow that you can you know you've got this cursor that you can move around and you can press the screen and stuff you know for different different um, elements of the different programs in there. What you want, what I want, is if I'm doing a close headshot and I want it to be steady, I want to be able to point at something I want to, it, the yeah. computer to keep steady. And that will be something in the background that's straight, you know, a football goalpost or something. Yep. Keep that steady. So it's not worrying about the head moving. It's just worrying about keeping the camera steady on that straight line whether it's a fence or it's a door or whatever it is. Then you're giving it a reference. That's what I want you to do. like in Resolve when you go on stabilization resolve, you can choose which area you want it to to stabilize and you can also dump the bits you don't want it to stabilize. Forget this bit, put that in the bin. I kind of want something like that. Then you're laughing because at the moment it's just it's just seeing pixels and it's deciding. Which pixels to stabilize, and if it's the ones you don't want to stabilize, then you're you've had it, haven't you? It's not helping, it's hindering.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. We keep saying this time and time again, these new features are great as long as you understand their limitations. Overall, though, it does sound like both of you are pretty impressed with the camera.
2: Yeah, very impressed. You know, for me, it's um you know, cameras are disposable, aren't they? They're data capture boxes now. There's nothing more, you know, it's, I'm a lens junkie and I, I, that's why I wanted something with an EF mount. I've got the locking EF mount now, which makes things a little bit sturdier, although slower lens changes. And um, what can I have that will take my lens na- natively and be a, you know, and be a very good data capture device that's user-friendly and it's, yeah, it's working for me.
1: All I can say is, I think it's a great camera, but my wrists are, well, they're getting stronger, put it that way. I've had <laughs> plenty of sleepless nights with painful wrists of holding it all day in a mm. slightly weird position. And then I've got this, feels like RSI or whatever. I think I've got used to it now, and I don't, I don't get many sleepless nights anymore, but I still do get pains in the wrist where I've <laughs> kind of just been holding it in this position, which is why I now use a shape arm because it's more comfortable. But I still get wrist pain. So it's not perfect.
0: That sort of neatly brings us on to the um canon c seventy which Peter I know you've had a bit of a play with. Is it fair to say it's a c three hundred mark III in a dSLr form factor?
2: It's certainly one way to look at it yeah, it's a slightly few it has different codec options and obviously it's a very different form factor, but yeah, in a simplistic way that's that's pretty much what it is with a you know a few extra watts grown on it. Um, and I've had some hands on with it and I think they're, they're a brilliant little camera and, um, all the agony I'm going through at the moment, having to rig the the Mark two on the Movi to have one of those on a, like a Ronan
0: S two. Definitely. It's going to make life much easier. It's my B cam. Mm. Dave, bearing in mind the kind of work you do and how you work, I would have thought the C70 would be of real interest to you.
1: Well, they asked me as soon come out. I was getting emails from different suppliers, and do you want one? Do you want one? Do you want to send you one? Do you want to, you know, put one aside for you? I was going, well, it hasn't got a viewfinder. I mean, it's got a viewfinder, but it hasn't got an eyepiece. I need an eyepiece. I've got mm. old eyes, you know, so mm. it's like, it's no, I can't use it, you know. I can't. Mm. I need bloody glasses on, and I can't see the rest of the world. So, if they did have a kind of traditional eyepiece on the back, then I would be interested. But they haven't, so I haven't really looked at it. But I can see that's where it's going to be useful. I could put it on my Steadicam, have it ready on my Steadicam and off I go, but I need something that's rugged enough that you don't know, got to put bits on that can then fall off. So if you've mm-hmm. got – that's why the VF50 is great for me on the C300 Mark III because it's it's there and it's not going to go anywhere, and I can just move the angle as I move my head and my my body angle, and it's like one solid package. Um, and if they can come up with a, a V70 with one solid package with a view, eyepiece viewfinder on the back, yeah, then I'm interested. But I can't see – That's going
0: to happen, is it? Uh, Interestingly, this is something that comes up time and time again. Cameras have become modular with the expectation that you'll build it up with the accessories you want. And often there are some really big shortcomings with them that need a third-party solution to solve. You know, I think Arri are really good at this, and Canon have done really well with the modularity of the C500 Mark II and the C300 Mark III. But if you look at, say, Sony in the FX9's viewfinder, if you want to replace that with a Graticule, you tie up an SDI port, and you've then got to find some way of powering it.
1: No, yeah. I agree. I mean, I think they've been... What I've been doing over the last so many years is having the smaller cameras that they bring out and trying to make them to a cat on the shoulder. I'm trying to make them back into what was the old camera, um, but although I don't like shoulder rigs. But if I found one that was perfect that you didn't need to add bits onto, then I would use one if it was quick to use, you know, I used to, camera it was, it was a Panasonic something or other, which was an ENG camera that you could just shove down, move the eyepiece and off you go. But it was all one solid unit. Now when you add in all these bits, I just find that's just disaster for me because they'll come loose or a bit will come off and I haven't got time for that. And I lose it. I'm buggered. Oh yeah. You absolutely. So I want something that's a solid one piece unit. And that's what I've now managed to find for myself is this, but it's a small, it's the kind of stripped down version of this camera which is working for me, but it's not perfect. I still would like it to be on the shoulder sometimes, but, you know, I, I haven't found a way that that's going to work, you know, because if I'm going to be following someone around for ages, you know, for hours, I was going to be more comfortable on the shoulder, even though I've got an injured shoulder, I've got screws in my shoulder from when I was in the Marines, but so I've not got a great shoulder, but I would use one, but this hasn't doesn't work for me, so I've got I've got, found a way of working that works. It's not perfect, I'm happy with it, but it's still not perfect, but over the last 10 years, it's probably the best solution I've found. So I'm happy, but it's not perfect.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think the manufacturers have a um, difficult prospect, isn't it? What to do with uh, new products, because obviously they're all trying to miniaturize, you make things smaller, your manufacturing costs go down, you know. And if they were to build a camera with a built in shoulder mount, like a Digi Beta, there'd be an uproar from the kids with the gimbals saying, well, we can't fit this on a gimbal anymore. So in, so, in, so, in some ways, you know, you've got to have a uh, a small boxy camera that'll fit on a gimbal then you can add a shoulder rig and then you can stick it on a crane and then you can stick it on this and that and that if we stick with uh, the old shoulder rigs that we used to like shooting with the, the digibeta and things like that it's going to rule all those things out so no, yeah, yeah yeah what's been interesting for me is watching um on the sort of facebook groups a lot of sort of operators that have come from either a, a c200 or dslr brigade who are now moving to the primarily the C300, some of them to the C500 Mark II. Uh, and now they're having to rediscover all the stuff that we've had to deal with uh, for years. And uh, and they're saying, how do we do this and how do we do that? And, you know, how can I hold it on my shoulder? But they've come up with some really innovative ways of rigging the camera that I've never seen before, you know, in, in small packages and handheld packages and putting grips in place I never thought of. And it's incredible, you know, it's just having a, a camera like this that is just a little box, um, even though it doesn't, fit-the-shoulder-mount style of operation, it really opens mm. itself up to some other methods that perhaps we haven't thought about before.
0: But, of course, the flip side of that is that the cameras and the smaller cameras are so relatively cheap, it's easy to have a second body that you can use on a slider or permanently rigged on a gimbal. Yes, I love having the my old Mark II, being able to have rigged that for
2: the uh, Movi on the shoot, it's been terrific, and having it balanced up and ready to go, and we just, I can pick the Movi up and do a piece to cameras or whatever. It's been fantastic. Uh, and, you know, and all the sort of functionality that is similar with the C300 Mark three is terrific. So yeah, I, I can see that. And that's where the C70 is going to go. I mean, once, once I offload my Mark two, if anyone's interested in buying it, C300 rental.co.uk contact me. Um, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to change that for the C70 just because having something smaller, I think would be, would be helpful. So I don't have to have a run a movie rig. I can just run a, run, run an S2 or something like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, if I could find a way of quickly getting my camera onto my Steadicam, that would really help me. But, uh, you know, at the moment I've got a, I've got a um, Vinton tripod. So I've got the mount, the, the plate for that. And it's just like if I take it off and I've got to, put, I've got to change it a bit, put it onto the steady I just I don't have time, you know. Mm. So it's really annoying because I like to use the Steadicam more. So if I did have a one that was dedicated to just being on the Steadicam, all ready to go, working on my own, just get it out of the car, stick it on off i go that would be great you know that, that my production values because um, i just don't have the time at the moment just a rigging time just means i can't do it and on that note i think it's really
0: a good place to end it gentlemen thank you very much for your time pleasure it's been a pleasure thank you that's it for another episode as always your feedback is most welcome find us on facebook instagram or twitter i'll be back in the new year with more until then thank you for listening and
1: goodbye